Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 104 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Dr. Rob Jones. Rob lives just south of Salt Lake City in Draper, Utah, and he specializes in functional endocrinology. Welcome, Dr. Jones. Thanks, Jen. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today because I love to talk to doctors, and especially doctors who are using intermittent fasting with patients, because I think that that really helps the audience and all the intermittent fasters out there to know that what we're doing is not only healthy, but it's more than just a healthy lifestyle. It actually can help us correct problems that we've had up to this point. Absolutely. All kinds of health problems can be answered using fasting. I can't wait to get into them. But first, let's start. I'm going to ask, you know, just as I ask everybody, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? 
Well, it was probably almost six years ago, and I had two different female patients, two weeks apart, that came in. They had been patients of mine for years. We do hormone therapy, get their hormones corrected. And I hadn't seen each one of them for probably about a year. And one of them came in, and she had lost a substantial amount of weight. And I looked at her and I said, hey, you look great. What have you been doing? And she actually, I can quote what she said, you'd never believe me if I told you. And I said, <laughs> well, try me. And Love she it. says, I've been doing what's called intermittent fasting. And I said, you know, I've read a little bit about it. Tell me more. Well, she had lost 44 pounds over one year doing it. And I said, well, that's great. And I didn't think too much more about it although she had been very successful and she was very healthy now. About two weeks later, another woman comes in, having lost quite a bit of weight. And I said, well, how'd you lose your weight? You look fantastic. She says, well, I've been doing some what's called intermittent fasting. And I said, okay, that is really bizarre because two weeks ago, another woman was in here telling me the same thing. So that's when I really started making a study of it. And I'm a science guy, so I really started looking at the history of it, the endocrinology part of it, and the overall physiological effect of intermittent fasting. And these two women had learned it through Bert Herring, medical doctor that had his... Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Bert Herring. Fast Five is what he called it. Right. So right. what I started doing, I started taking a few guinea pigs of my own patient base. This was, as I say, over five years ago. Now I've got over at least 500 patients currently that are doing the intermittent fasting. And I've only had one, Jen, that has not been able to do it. And the reason why is she had a long history of anorexia and bulimia. Ah, and it just yeah. mentally, emotionally, it just wasn't for her. And I said, that's fine. I don't want you to even do it. Maybe someday she can, but not right now. Everybody that else makes sense. Yeah. has, to one degree or another, been very successful with it. And 500 patients, that's a, a pretty good database to draw from. It really is. 500 patients, one that had some issues. And we do always say, if you have a history of you know diagnosed eating disorders, you have to be careful because fasting does not cause eating disorders. Right. But if you already have the disordered thinking, it can trigger, you know, because some of the behaviors that are used for people who have anorexia are similar. Right. Yeah. And I don't even push it with them. You know, if right. you've got that history. Let me tell you about my first real guinea pig. Okay. Was my cousin's wife. She was about 52 years old, about five foot two, probably about 185 pounds. She has done every type of diet there is. And there are the commercial diets where you pay a lot of money and everything. And so finally I said to her, I'm going to call her Susie. It's not her name. Okay. I said, Susie, how would you like to be a guinea pig? I've been studying this stuff called intermittent fasting. How would you like to do it? She says, yeah, whatever. I've done it all. She's done HCG and all the other things. Oh, yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> so I explained it to her. And she says, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I put her on a 19 and 5 program and eating fairly low carb during that. But she could have carbs. You know, she didn't have to go all the way into ketosis or anything. So I didn't see her for about three months. And she came in to visit me at my clinic. And I looked at her. And I said, whoa, what have you been doing? And she says, 
I did what you told me to. I said, seriously? Well, how much have you lost? And she had lost almost 30 pounds Wow! over about a four-month period is what it was. I said, you look great. And she says, this has been the easiest thing I've ever done to lose weight. Now, when I explained it to her originally, she kind of raised her eyebrows and said, okay, that's pretty weird. But then <laughs> she went home and she told her daughter, who's a registered nurse, and her daughter literally freaked out. Mom, you can't do that. You'll lose all the muscle off your body and you'll become anorexic. And I just laughed. And I said, right. seriously, that's what your, your daughter told you? By the way, her daughter came to see me and has been doing the intermittent fasting too. I love that so much. See, that just goes to show that, you know, we've we've been taught the wrong things, you Absolutely. know, because that is the first thing we hear. Oh my gosh, you're going to lose all of your muscle mass. Yeah. You're th- <laughs> the <laughs> ending of the story it. is really humorous because what happens is, is she ended up losing about 35 pounds and she looked great. And so then she goes in for her annual physical at her doctor. And her doctor, her cholesterol was always running high. It was about 270. And her doctor was always after her to go on cholesterol-lowering drugs, statin drugs. And I always, she'd ask my opinion, and I told her, no, do not do that. It will ruin your health. It's too hard on the liver, et cetera, et cetera. So she goes in to see him. He does some blood work on her, and he looks at her and he says, well, you've lost a lot of weight. What are you doing? And she says, oh, I've just changed my diet a little bit. He says, oh, well, we'll run some blood on you and see. So it comes back. Two days later, he calls her and he says, what have you been doing? Your cholesterol has dropped over 100 points. Wow. What have you been doing? And she says, like I said, I've just changed my diet a little bit. She wouldn't tell him that she was doing intermittent fasting. So she tells me that story a couple days later. And I said, well, why wouldn't you tell him? Why didn't you tell him what you were doing, that you're doing intermittent fasting? And she says, look, Rob, you know well as I do, what a doctor's not up on, he's always down on. And I just sat there. Oh, that's a huge saying, what a doctor's not up on, he's down on. Yes. And I thought, wow, that's so interesting. But he did tell her, well, whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it because you look great. And I thought, hmm, what a doctor's not up on, he's down on. So that's kind of what I tell my patients. Look, you go and talk to your doctor about it if you need to. But if he hasn't heard about it, he's not going to have anything good to say about it because it's just basically, honestly, it's based on ignorance. He doesn't know. Well, and it goes against what he's probably learned, you know, like we've all learned, hey, start the day with breakfast, most important meal of the day. You need that nutrition coming in. Oh, you're going to lose your muscle mass because we've all been told that. So, yeah, actually, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but um, I heard it through the grapevine. So I can't say 100% this is true, but I love the thought of it being true. I'm sure you read the New England Journal of Medicine article that was came out December 26th about fasting. Didn't read it. Oh, okay. Well, you need to look at it. It's fabulous. Dr. Mark Matson is one of the lead authors on that article. And it came out December 26th in the New England Journal of Medicine, which, you know, of course, is such a top journal that people rely on. Yeah, it's, you know, it arguably the most prestigious medical journal out there. But I heard through the grapevine that the reason he wrote that article is because the New England Journal of Medicine asked him to write a review of intermittent fasting because so many doctors were asking about it. 
like patients are coming in and saying, I'm doing intermittent fasting. So the doctors are like, I got to find out about this. Yeah. <laughs> so they are requesting they, they the doctors want to know more about it because just like Susie's doctor, he knew she was doing great, but didn't know much about intermittent fasting. So the doctors, they were like, you can't argue with the results they're seeing in their patients. And they want to know why. Why is this, you know, such a good thing? So I love that story. Well, it's like I've got a good friend who's an endocrinologist in in Seattle. And I've talked to her a lot. And basically, all she does is deals with type 1 and type 2 diabetics. Okay. And all she does, and by her own admission, she's very frustrated, but all she does is prescribes insulin. And somebody will come in and say, my blood sugar's too high. What's her first reaction? Give them more insulin. But insulin right. insulin is the fat storing hormone. And it turns all these diabetics into morbidly obese patients. They don't want to control their diet. They just want more insulin. And that's insanity, really. It really is. And it goes from the whole idea of you know, treating the one symptom. You know, the one symptom is these people come in, they have high blood glucose. And we know that it is not good for our bodies to have high blood glucose at these dangerous levels. Right. So the answer is, well, I'm going to give you some more insulin. It will get rid of that high blood glucose. But the high insulin becomes the problem because sure. hyperinsulinemia is linked to so many health conditions. Can you talk about that, what high insulin does in the body besides just keeping us from you know, tapping into our fat stores, but all the other things that high insulin is linked to? Well, I try and keep it simple for my patients, but I say when your insulin goes high, it's like your whole body internally is rusting, as in glycation. It's rusting out. And they get the analogy there. I said, I'm not going to go into the gory details, but it's going to affect every part of your body and it causes body-wide inflammation. So when insulin goes high, will it affect their brain? Sure it will. Of course it's going to. It's going to affect their arteries, their heart, their kidney, their liver, just due to the inflammatory process going on. And I said, our goal with your health is to reduce that inflammation, to reduce the glycation, get insulin down. Now, here's another point. Doctors, when you go in for a blood test, they're always going to check your glucose, but they never test your insulin. Right. That is true. To me, I don't care what your glucose is, whether it's high or low. I care about what your insulin levels are. So we always test that. And it comes back, well, good thing says, the blood test says, your blood sugar is okay, but you are not a type 1 diabetic, but you're borderline type 2 diabetic. And that we refer to as insulin resistance. So we're going to take care of that the fastest way we can. Most of these women come in and they're on antidepressants, they're on synthetic hormones, and they're on other meds. And I say, look, our goal is to get you off those things and get you healthy because you're not going to get healthy doing it the way you are. And they look at me like, well, that's a no-brainer because that's why I'm here to see you is because things aren't working for me right now. I love that you test insulin. So you test insulin for everybody. You know, people just have no idea what their insulin levels are. Right. They've never had them tested before. The other thing that we go into is we always test their thyroid in multiple ways. And 
the only thing that their doctor ever tested on them was TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. That tells the doctor relatively nothing about their thyroid activity. And they come in and I say, well, let's see. I see that your number one complaint is fatigue. Your number two complaint is being overweight. Did you know that those are both intricately connected together? Because when you're overweight, you're going to be tired. Let's look at your thyroid, for instance, and see what's going on. And it comes back, and we always test their free T3 and their antibodies. Oh, well, you've got Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroiditis. Until that's corrected, you're battling weight, you're battling fatigue, you're battling gut problems. And so say, here's what we've got to look at. We've got to look at the whole picture. And as soon as we can get a few things corrected, the next thing we're going to do is start having you start doing some intermittent fasting. And they look at me like, fasting? Going without food? (laughs) What? Yeah. And how many of these women tell you that they had had thyroid tests before and everything was quite normal? Probably 98% of them, honestly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I say, well, you're taking an antidepressant. Why are you taking an antidepressant? Well, the doctor ran all the blood tests on me, said everything looked normal. And so he says, I think you're just depressed. Here, I'm going to put you on some Prozac or Lexapro or something. I'll see you in six months. And I just, I grab my head with with my hands and just say, right. oh man, this is insanity again. You can't do that. And so sometimes I used to call the doctor and I say, what were you thinking? You didn't test the thyroid the right way. All you do is put her on an antidepressant that's going to make her gain weight. She's going to lose her sex drive and it's going to cause refractory depression. She's going to turn into just a zombie. She just is dull all the time. And they all, all these patients admit to it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any joy in my life anymore, but I don't sink it into a deep, dark hole of depression. I'm just kind of numb all the time. And I said, well, that's not living life. There's so much more. No, it's not. And and I, I think so you would tell anybody who's struggling with fatigue, being overweight, that they should find somebody who can test more than just their TSH levels of their right. thyroid. Yeah. Free T3 and the antibodies. Thyroid antibodies. They have to be tested. The statistics show that women that have a low thyroid about 78% of them have Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroiditis, but it's been undiagnosed. 78%? Is that what you said? 78% wow. of people with low thyroid have a hidden antibody level that's high, and they don't even know it. Is that autoimmune? Is that an autoimmune kind of a thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Called Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroiditis. So what are the four biggest symptoms of Hashimoto's. Number one is anxiety and depression. Number two is gut problems. I always feel bloated and gassy no matter what. Number three is obesity. And number four is fatigue. I'm tired all the time. Well, that's because they have an inflammatory process going on in their body. So we try and hormonally look at those first, but always, always in the back of my mind, because they're overweight, we're going to head them in to intermittent fasting, because that's going to be one of the best things for them to do. Number one, to heal their gut. Number two, to help them with their weight. But it will it will help with all four problems. 
Yeah, I can see that. You know, I'm looking at the list that you just said, anxiety, depression, yes, intermittent fat. I just, I've been reading the audiobook for Fast Feast Repeat. We're recording this in April, and I just read the chapter that had all the health benefits of intermittent fasting. I just recorded that today. And you're right. You know, fasting is definitely linked to decrease in anxiety and depression because of what it does in the brain. It definitely helps heal the gut because of the period of rest. You know, we understand about obesity, lowering the insulin levels, and then fatigue. We have such great energy because we are dipping into our fat stores, our our bodies are making ketones, our right. brains have all that great source of energy. So you're right. Along with the intermittent fasting, what else do you do with your Hashimoto's patients? Well, number one, we'll, as we really thoroughly test their thyroid, we will use some thyroid with them. And some of them have already been on thyroid for 20 years. I say, well, you've been on thyroid for that long. We look at their cortisol levels. Most of them all have sleep problems too. There's two kinds of insomnia. Type one is I can't fall asleep. Type two is I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't go back to sleep. So then we look at their progesterone level and most even premenopausal, a lot of women in their 30s, they're not making enough progesterone to relax their brain. And so we say, ah. look, your progesterone level, you should be between 10 and 20 on the blood test, and you're at 0.2. So your ovaries have stopped making enough progesterone to really relax your brain. We're going to put you on a little bioidentical progesterone. You take it before you go to sleep. If you have a hard time falling asleep, we'll have you take it about an hour before you go to bed. I was just talking to a patient yesterday, and she's been on the progesterone for about three weeks. And I said, have you noticed any changes in your sleep? And she started laughing. And she says, I can lay there for an hour before I go to sleep, just tossing and turning. Now that I've been on the progesterone, my mind is relaxed, my head hits the pillow, and I'm gone. And I'm not waking up in the middle of the night with what a lot of our patients call brain chatter or uh, racing mind syndrome. The brain won't shut off. See, this is 100% relevant to me right now because I'm 50 and I'm going through menopause. And I have, I've talked about this on the podcast lately. I am having that issue. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and not sleeping well. So it's progesterone. you would say it's progesterone. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I need to, I need to get with a doctor on getting some progesterone. Okay. Get it tested. Yeah. Okay, getting it tested. All right, I'm make, I'm literally making a note and starring it because that's what I need to do. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about these ranges. Okay. Because doctors always look at the ranges on the test. So a doctor will look at that progesterone level and he'll say, well, you're 0.2. So for a, a menopausal woman, you're just fine, sweetheart. You're just fine. <laughs> you're normal. Yeah, it's normal. fine. That's what, right. We don't care what the normal range is. We care what the healthy or optimal range is. So if somebody's waking up at three o'clock every morning and can't go back to sleep for two hours, your progesterone's low. You're not making it. Okay. That is what I'm doing. That is what is happening to me every single day. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, I'm going through going through menopause right now. I'm perimenopausal and it's just gotten worse. Well, and then we look at the other hormone for menopause is estrogen. Right. Uh, it's called estradiol. So when that is tested, it comes back and it shows low. And I can tell these women, okay, you've got at least one or two of what we call the big three. The big three are is if you're having hot flashes, night sweats, 
or vaginal dryness problems, you're low in estrogen. It'll take us about a week to get rid of those problems. Okay, it's that easy using yeah. using bioidentical estradiol and estriol. It's just that easy. And then the husbands call up and say, can I take you out to lunch, Dr. Jones? My wife is a different woman. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's it's, great. It's that easy. Well, you know, and I think a lot of us just feel like, like you mentioned before, you know, even if we get tested and our doctors say that's normal, this is what happens, we realize we're not feeling our best, but we feel like, well, it's what happened to my mom, it's what happened to her mom, it's just what we're supposed to deal with, we just have to accept it. Yeah, yeah. I had a lady that had been, she went to see her doctor and she had her thyroid tested and he says, it's in the normal range. She comes in to see me and she brought her blood test with her. And I looked at it and I said, so what did your doctor say about this? He said, it was in the normal range. And I said, well, the range goes from 240 to 420. You're at 236. So remember, the bottom is 220. She was at 236. Right. So her doctor said that was normal. But to me, that is deplorable. She's right. It's very low. It's yeah. way low. But according to him, it's in the normal range. So he didn't do anything. It's in the range. He wouldn't do anything for it. So she was frustrated and she's overweight. And so her metabolism is real sluggish. Her hair is falling out. She's constipated. You know, she's tired all the time, all the signs and symptoms of low thyroid. And yet he says she's fine. Of course, she's frustrated. Right. Yeah, I can remember, you know, going through some struggles with that myself and, and doing some reading on the thyroid. This is back when I just started, you know, gaining a lot of weight back in 2005 when I really started struggling with obesity. And at the time, I was, I read some work of Dr. Broda Barnes and connect, you know, the, the body temperature and how body temperature is so related to thyroid function. And at the time, my body temperature was always very low. Mm-hmm. But the doctors were just like you said, they're like, you're fine, it's normal. And <laughs> we have every patient take their temperature over two weeks, the Broda Barnes test. Because you go in and get a blood test and it comes back, oh, it says your thyroid is low. Well, that's one moment in time. At the very moment we took blood out of your vein, you had a low thyroid. If you tested over two weeks by taking your temperature, now we have a longer picture and it says you are consistently low body temperature, which means you're consistently low thyroid. Right. So we look at both of those things. They're both valid tests. Yeah. And it just really, you know, struck me as such a shame when everything shifted from understanding the relationship between temperature and thyroid and the symptoms, you know, because if people come in and they've got all those symptoms and the low body temperature, you pretty much know that's what's happening versus just this blood test saying you're fine. Right. And that's a really good point, Jen, because I can pretty much tell when a patient comes in, yeah, she's probably low thyroid, she's probably low estrogen, she's probably low progesterone, but I send them in for a test anyway. Why? Because I want the numbers to prove to them you're not where you should be. Right. Now it's an independent person called a lab saying, oh yeah, your thyroid's terrible. So I can say to them, yeah, I think you're low thyroid. But when the blood test comes back, they can't argue with that. Exactly. They look at it and say, you know, it's just not where it should be. And just as an as a anecdotal FYI, my body temperature has gone way up <laughs> since living the intermittent fasting lifestyle. Sure. So that's a really good sign. And, you know, I don't take anything 
thyroid related, but my my temperature is in a normal range. And it's, you know, if I took it right now, it'd probably be, you know, 98 point something. And sometimes after I eat, after I eat dinner, it sometimes goes as high as 99. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Yeah. I know. So that just lets me know my metabolism's humming along. (laughs) Our goal with our patients is to get them off thyroid. We don't want them taking it for the rest of their life. Okay. So that your patients are not needing it forever. Oh, no, no. Some of them who have a hereditary problem with low thyroid, yeah, they'll probably be on it forever. But a lot of patients will have them on it for a year. We'll have them do some fasting, intermittent fasting. We get their other hormones because all the hormones are linked together. We get their other hormones going. And pretty soon I'll say, okay, you've been on the thyroid for nine months now. I want you to cut your dose in half and see how you feel. Call me in three weeks. Tell me what's going on. They call back. They say, I feel great. My energy levels is still staying up, even though I'm on half the dose. I say, okay, now cut that dose in half. Call me back in a month. They call back. I feel great. I say, you don't need thyroid anymore. Your thyroid has healed because of the intermittent fasting and all the other healthy things you're doing. Your thyroid is healed. Call me back if you ever need me. And that's it. I love it. Wow. The idea is to get them taking care of themselves. So you mentioned intermittent fasting plus other healthy things that they're doing. What other healthy things do you pretty much incorporate with all of your patients? Well, we go through diet with them intensively. We've got uh, different people in our clinic that are going to go over it. But during the fasting and even after, like I had three patients in my office, it was about two weeks ago, They have been doing the intermittent fasting and the hormone therapy for a year now. It was their anniversary. On three different days, these women don't know each other, but all three of them, one of them was down 60 pounds and the two others were down 70 pounds. Wow. It took them a year, okay? And I said, well, congratulations. You don't even look the same. Your, Your hormones are holding. Everything looks great. How are you going to keep the weight off now? And they looked at me like, Dr. Jones. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. 
Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That is the stupidest question you've ever asked. And I knew why it was a stupid question. They said, well, for one thing, we'll never eat breakfast again. Breakfast is just not part of our life anymore. But we know how to control things now. And all three of them, now they don't know each other and they weren't in the office at the same time, but I asked them one question. What was your key to success? And they all said the very same word came out of their mouth, the very same word. You want to guess what the word was? Well, I would guess fasting, but is there a different... Well, yeah, but it was fasting. But what was their key to being successful with the intermittent fasting? The one word was consistency. Okay, okay, yes. They yeah. were... Oh, they, I so much. They said, I goofed off during Christmas, but other than that, over the last year, I've been 19 and 5 or OMAD consistently for a year. And I said, well, it paid off, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm down 70 pounds. I don't even I don't even feel like the same person anymore. So it was consistency. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, back when I was struggling with intermittent fasting in the years between 2009 and 2014, you know, I had read Dr. Herring's work plus the work of others who had talked about, you know, different fasting protocols, but my problem was consistency. So mm-hmm. that really highlights that. I kept going on and off and I would try it and then I would stop for the weekend or for a week. And it's so hard to go back and forth versus just letting your body be in that in that state day to day. That's right. I tell all my patients when I first talk to them about intermittent fasting, the first thing they ask, well, what if I get hungry? And I just laugh and I say, you'll get hungry, but after about three or four days, it'll minimize. However, I said, and the patients come back in and they said, yeah, it was. I I overcame that after the first week I was fine. And I said, now you realize that it's a head game. Oh, yeah. It's in your head. And they said, it really is. It really is. It's all about what I'm telling myself. Like, I can remember back in the day, you know, like I was worried I would be hungry later. So, like, if I was going to be busy, I would eat something, not because I'm hungry now, but because I was worried I'd be hungry later. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's it that fear. Like, you know, you watch commercials on television and the fear is like, oh, you don't want to be hungry, have these snacks in your purse. And Absolutely. so I always did. Worst case scenario, if you get hungry long enough, what are you going to do? You're going to die. It'll never go there. Come on. <laughs> And they just laugh. Exactly. You know, yeah. They know. And, and so it is. It's, it's a head game. And once they get that, I say, look, if you get hungry, which you will, drink a tall glass of water, wait 15 minutes, you won't be hungry because hunger comes in waves. It does. And they go, oh, really? And, and then they come back in for their next visit. You know, drinking that water really helps. And I said, well, you have to stay hydrated. Yeah. And it really does come in waves and it just, it fades away if you don't focus on it. Yeah. Yeah. Versus if you had a little something, you probably would be hungrier later than if you didn't. That's what I have found. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I get hungry or if I'm like, oh, I'm a little hungry, I'll have something now. Well, then I'm like needing a nap and then I'm really hungry and <laughs> it's not better. You don't feel better feeding that that wave of hunger. Yeah. And let's talk about plateaus for a second because all my patients okay. go through plateaus and they come in, well, Dr. Jones, I've, I've lost 20 pounds and now for the last two weeks, I haven't lost anything. And I look at them and I say, okay, so what's your point? Oh, well, I, I haven't lost anything. This is where you're going through a plateau. So tell me what you're eating in your window. They said, well, pretty much whatever I want. I said, okay, are you eating cookies, candies, cakes, ice cream, donuts, soda pop, all that kind of stuff? Well, a little bit. And I said, okay. So I say, stick out your arm in front of you and spread out your fingers with your palm down. And they do that. And then I reach across the table and I slap their hand. And they started laughing. I said, what was that for? And I said, well, I had to slap your hand because now we're going to change. You've lost your initial weight, but you're still overdoing it on carbs. So right. now we're going to start restricting your carbs a little bit. I'm not restricting your calories. You can eat as much right. as you want. I'm restricting your carbs. I want you to stop eating the cookies, candies, cakes, ice cream, donuts, soda pop. Those, all those processed foods. Yeah. Yeah. Those, I call such, them, those, yep. I call them the fast carbs. They burn fast. It's true. They do. And so then I'll say, okay, let's do that. Then they start losing again. Then they'll come back in on their next plateau. And I say, okay, now let's start restricting some of the other carbs, like breads, pastas, rice. Because as soon as they go off all the junk sugar, a lot of them turn to rice. And I say, right. no, no, that's still sugar. What? It's not sugar, it's rice. It's a, no. And then we have yeah. our little carb talk. And right. So it's just, it's an educational process for them, but they finally get it. And then they become zealots and they're telling everybody else about how bad sugar is for you, as if it's a, a big revelation, you know? Yeah. You know, I lost all of the weight without giving up sugar. But, you know, if you listen to my podcast, you've probably heard me say that I rarely eat sugar now because my body has told me it doesn't like it. Right. You know, it happened naturally. Like, you know, it gives me restless legs and I don't feel my best. So it's really kind of funny how that's how that's happened because, you know, I was able to lose the weight while still consuming it. But then my body was like, you don't like that. Stop having it. Yeah. So same result, but it just happened, you know, naturally for me. But a lot of times the patients have to come to it on their own. Right. I can guide them through it, but they have to prove it to themselves. And once they get off the sugar, they come back in. Oh, yeah. Like one of those ladies the other day that lost 70 pounds, she said, it wasn't until I really curtailed my carbs in my diet and she basically did keto in her window, that's when she started losing, big time losing. Yeah. And we have to respond to what's happening with our bodies. You know, if, if what you're doing is not working, there is definitely something you can tweak and, and tweaking what you're eating is huge. You know, just focusing on you know, even not even defining, you know, whether foods are carbs or protein or fat, but it's just going towards real foods can be such a huge step, you know, increasing vegetables. Yeah. I, I look at them finally and I say, look, what this boils down to is you're going to eat good, healthy proteins and lots of vegetables, except for potatoes and corn. There's your diet right there when, when it really comes down to it. And they say, oh, okay, well, I can do that. So yeah, you can do that. It's not that hard. 
And that gets them right off that plateau. That's right. But the first step, you have them just nail the fast. Yes. I don't make it hard, and I, I ease them into it gradually. What time do you eat breakfast? Well, usually 7. Okay, I want you to push it back till 9, and then 10. And your goal is to push it back till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then they'll call me up you know, a month down the road. Dr. Jones, 1 o'clock comes, and I'm still not really hungry. Do I have to eat at 1 o'clock? No. Now you can join the OMAD group, O-M-A-D. Right. And I think, right. well, what does that stand for? One meal a day. Oh, okay. They do that. <laughs> and then they're, yeah. they're on the road to success. And I never push OMAD. They come to that themselves. Is it okay for me to just eat one meal? Because they realize they don't need the two. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what happened for me. You know, I read Dr. Herring's book, Fast Five, and when I first read it, I skipped over the part where he said, you're only eating one meal a day. You know, he opens his window at 5 p.m., and he talks about that throughout the book. But I was like, well, he says you can use any five-hour window you want. So I had mine open at like 12, 1230 and go for five hours, but I was squeezing in lunch and then dinner, and it did work. But when I reread it and saw him talk about one meal a day, I was like, oh, we're not really supposed to be trying to cram two full meals in that eating window. (laughs) That's my problem. Yeah. And so I naturally, and then I realized when I pushed it back later, when I don't open my window until, you know, four, four thirty, five o'clock, man, I'm just really so much less hungry when I wait that long. Yeah. And I think it's because my body is so satisfied from the fat that it's been burning during the fast. And we really stress good fats. We really do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's that's the fuel that's going to make your brain work better. It's, it's just going to give you the calories. Right. Uh, so. Right. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. And one of the other things that's really important that your listeners need to know is We get patients that come in and they're not overweight, but they're really unhealthy. And I still will use some intermittent fasting with them. And so it's not just the weight loss. Yeah, I use it on all my overweight patients because it works so well. But I, you know, I had a a couple there from 
South Carolina, I believe, North Carolina or South uh-huh. Carolina. I was okay. talking to them on the phone the other day. Neither one of them are overweight. And they have become patients. And, and that's the miracle of telemedicine now. We don't need to see patients in person. We can do it all over the phone with Zoom or right. something like that. So we now have patients from almost every state in the United States. But the point is, they've been doing intermittent fasting not to lose weight. The husband has really bad acid reflux. That's his whole thing. Well, I said, we're not going to put you on any medication for that. That's ridiculous. We're going to have you start doing some intermittent fasting. Within two weeks, his acid reflux was gone. Wow. Because he's been living on the products that you get at the drugstore, either by prescription or not. And I said, that is one of the worst things you could ever be doing for your body. Because now you don't assimilate foods and nutrients that you should because you... Because you need the acid in your stomach. Absolutely. That you don't want to neutralize the acid, you know, 24-7. Because you need it. Then the acid is there to break down the food and then you get the nutrients. And it also affects your small intestines and your intestines because the food goes in there. And yeah, so many problems with that. But then so many people, it's when they've been doing... crazy stuff like that, all these medications, it's ruined their hormone levels. And so we say, look, you're in South Carolina. We're going to send you in locally for a blood test. I want to see what your hormone levels are. So we give them the paperwork. They go in, get their blood test. It comes back. We sit down with them over the phone and we say, look, your thyroid's really not in good shape. You should be at this point. You're way down there. I say, do you have a problem sleeping at night? And this lady said, I wake up at three o'clock every night. I can't go back to sleep. It takes me two hours to go back to sleep. So I just get up and read. I said, yeah, that relates to your progesterone. Your progesterone, you're not making anymore. Your ovaries have stopped making it. And she said, well, I didn't tell you. I've had a hysterectomy. And I said, well, okay, you don't have ovaries anymore. Or if you do, they're not working anymore. So we're going to put you on some progesterone for a while, see how you do. Are you getting any hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we're going to put you on a little bit of this for a while. We don't want you on these for the rest of your life. And we want to address the thyroid problem. So there wasn't any weight problem, but there was big health problems. So we can work remotely with these people and get them to the point where, wow, I've been using the intermittent fasting and most of my health problems have gone away. I'm going to take the thyroid for a little longer. I'll use the progesterone because it makes me sleep so well. And oh, by the way, Dr. Jones, I'm off my Lexapro now because the progesterone took the place of it. Wow. Yep. That's the anti-anxiety, anti-depression hormone. Well, listen, before you go on, I want you to tell people how they can connect with your practice because... You know, I, I have these large Facebook support groups with, you know, 350,000 members, and mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't all listen to the podcast. But one thing that people talk about is, you know, help. How do I find a doctor that can work with me? And the fact that you see patients all over through telemedicine, I have a feeling that your phone is going to ring after this podcast because people are going to be like, oh, thank goodness, here's a doctor I can work with. So can how could, how could listeners find you? Well, our clinic, we've got MDs in there. We've got nurse practitioners, PAs. It's utahwellnessinstitute.com, and they can just go to that. There's even an online test they can take to check to see if they've got some hormonal problems. 
and then they can just call us and and set things up. And the first thing we're going to do is send them in wherever they live. We'll send them to a LabCorp or a Quest, and we'll get the blood test done. And and we're always going to test that insulin because that's always a huge problem, especially if they're right. overweight. But we're looking at all their hormones. We're not going to do a blood test called a comprehensive metabolic panel unless they want it. But that's looking at their sodium, their potassium, their liver, their kidneys. We assume they've already been to their doctor and he's done that. And the blood test came back and everything looks fine, quote unquote. And they turn to the doctor and say, well, doc, if everything looks fine, why do I feel so lousy all the time? Right. Well, I think you're probably just depressed. So here's a medication. Everybody feels lousy. Just deal with it. Yeah. 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 Or... Well, I think it's just your age. I hate it when these patients come in and say, my doctor told me it's just because I'm getting older. Are you stinking kidding me? No. Right. (laughs) We believe that life should be like a candle. It burns brightly all the way down to the very end. It flickers once or twice and goes out. But most people's candles out there, about halfway through life, it starts flickering and it flickers all the way till they're 80 years old, then they die in misery. That's not what life is meant to be. I love that analogy, that visual. We want our candle burning bright. And I agree. And I, I do think that intermittent fasting is is the secret weapon and not so secret for us <laughs> that will keep us aging well. That's, I couldn't say it better. It's an anti-aging medication, shall we say, that, that really works. Yeah, I think that it's it's one of the, the best things we can do for our bodies. And so the people who are having trouble with the weight loss side of it only, someone will sometimes say, well, intermittent fasting doesn't seem to, quote, work for me. And that's when it's so very frustrating and also sad because I'm like, wait a minute, though. It's doing so many things. Yeah, you're going to have to do some more work and find out what is keeping you from losing the weight. You know, maybe maybe it's the thyroid, you know, because if their thyroid is really out of whack, they're going to have a hard time losing weight. Absolutely. Let me give you a quick example of that, Jen, because it's a very good point. I had a patient. She had been doing intermittent fasting for about four months. And she's short and she's pretty big. She'd been doing intermittent fasting. She even went into OMAD and she lost two pounds in four months. Well, right. I'm scratching my head. We, we had her on some thyroid. She felt good, but she just wasn't burning any fat. So I said, okay, we're going to run another test on you because I want to check something. And it came back and she had a gluten sensitivity. Ah. Gluten. And so I said, okay, I'm only going to make one change. I want you 100% off gluten for the next month. So she went off gluten. Bang. The weight started coming off. So that was the one thing with her. That's not with everybody, but it was with her. She wasn't losing anything. We took her off gluten, which is inflammatory. She doesn't have celiacs or anything. She just has a a non-celiacs gluten sensitivity. So bang, she started losing so fast after that, it was almost scary. See, that's huge. And, and, you know, nobody wants to give up foods they love. Nobody wants to. We, you know, my book is called Delay, Don't Deny. Everybody's like, Jen, you said I wouldn't have to deny. But okay, (laughs) If, if gluten is the one thing keeping your body holding on to the fat, 
you need to deny that because right. it doesn't work for you. Just like my son who has a shellfish allergy has to deny shellfish because it's not working for his body. Yeah. And so it's the same same thing. You know, we have to work with the bodies we have and we are all so different. My son had a an intestinal problem and it came down to he was having a sensitivity to corn. Well, he says, but I don't eat that much corn. He lives in the Phoenix area. He says, I don't eat that much corn. Oh, but it's and everywhere though, it's right? It's everywhere. It was high fructose corn sweetener. Yep. You don't have to eat corn to have That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you never know. You just have to play a little bit of a de- detective and then you find out. Right. And, you know, I tell people trust the process, but people sometimes mistakenly think that the process means you're just, you know, doing the fasting day to day and that's it. But the process is digging deeper for a lot of us and finding out what we need to do beyond just the fasting because fasting is amazing, but it is not the only tool in the arsenal. Right. Yeah. And we have to go deeper. I want to talk to you real quick about your book that you were telling me about before we started recording called I Am More Than Enough. And I wanted you to have some time to talk about that. Well, in my practice, I my practice is a consultative practice. So I sit across the desk from patients or on the phone all day long, and I'm talking to probably 90% women. Uh, men come in and only because their wife forced them to come in because the wife was yeah. already a patient. Right. And she said, honey, you need to go in and see Dr. Jones because you're just a grumpy old man all the time. Oh, can you help with that? You can help with that one? Oh, yeah. In, in most, I, I may know someone who, who might need some of the help with that. <laughs> uh, with most men, it's a testosterone problem. And yet, okay. guys in their 30s and 40s, they don't want to admit they have a testosterone problem. Yeah. But they come home from work and they sit down on the couch and they channel surf until they go to bed. That's it. And so... They've lost their assertiveness, their, their right. overall macho get up and go. So that's that's men. But I sit across the desk talking to women all day long. And over the years, I, I've been doing this now for 21 years, the hormone therapy. And I started seeing so many common threads with these women. And they're really, really hard on themselves. They've got right. this, this inner critic going on all the time. And so we started having focus groups with women, myself and another guy. We started having women, seven women at a time, come in, and we sit down in chairs in our waiting room, and we just throw out questions to them. And the answers they gave us, we just, the two of us, two men, would just sit back and listen to them talk. How terribly, emotionally, they treat themselves inside their brains. They beat themselves up all the time. And we're sitting there, seriously, ladies? And I'd say, you women, you compare yourselves with like Mother Teresa and you come up falling forever short. You're so hard on yourselves. Mother Teresa was the saint. You yell at your child once and you are hard on yourself for the rest of the day. Who do we men compare ourselves to? Adolf Hitler. We come off smelling like a rose. We didn't kill anybody, you know. (laughs) That's just the way guys do it. We compare ourselves with somebody like that. Women compare their own worst to everybody else's best. Well, I think it's because of the way we were raised, you know, to be a good little girl and, you know, the guilt of not, not, you know, not measuring up, right? Absolutely. And we go into the first half of the book is all about what you were just talking about. 
How were you raised? What are the stereotypes? Everything. So we paint the picture in the first half of the book. And the second half of the book is the tools that women can use to overcome these problems of beating themselves up all the time. So it's the first half of the book is here's, here's what you're doing to yourself. The second half is here's what you can do. If you use any one of these 12 things, you can make it better. And so it's, that's fabulous. It's a self-help book, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've had women come in to our clinic because the only place we really sell it besides Amazon is in our clinic. We never publicized it at all. It was written so I could give it to my female patients and say, read this. Well, a lot of them would give it then to their husbands and they'd say, honey, you need to read this book to see what's going on with me. And these husbands would come back and say, whoa, that's really what you're thinking inside your head? I had no idea. And then these these women would come back and buy four more books because they wanted each of their daughters to read it. That's huge. You know, my husband and I just had a conversation the other day, very similar, about a, a tough time in our lives when we had, you know, two young boys and, you know, it was hard. To the whole the whole time period of being a mother, and one of them was struggling in school with sure. behavior and things like that. And I put on a happy face every day and acted like everything was great. And my husband said that that was actually the hard part for him was watching me pretend like everything was okay. I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. what we do. <laughs> he would have rather if I had fallen apart. But you know, I'm like, no, I'm being strong. I'm handling it. I'm managing everything. But you know, Let's they don't see, understand. If your son comes home with a D on his report card in math, whose fault is it? Obviously, oh, it's mine. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. What did I not do? That's yeah. right. I'm not the perfect mother. If only <laughs> right. I would have read to him more when he was two years old, yeah. everything would be okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. So we take those issues and dissect them for women and say, okay, here's your thought process. Here's how you need to change it. It's a real easy read. It's a fun read, but it, it just helps them to say, okay, I'm lying to myself right now when I'm telling myself that. I'm telling myself lies, and that is not fair, and it's not true. And a lot of it's just based on fear. So they can find I Am More Than Enough on Amazon, and they can also connect with you at the utahwellnessinstitute.com. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Now, we're, we're running out of time, but I would like to, you know, I always end with this question. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? And I'm sure you do this every day. <laughs> I do. The first thing I always tell them when I introduce them to it is that study where they took that 452-pound man and didn't have him eat anything. Right. And he, I, I ask him, how many days in a row do you think he could go without eating anything, just drinking water? And they say, oh, I don't know, maybe three maybe five. I say, no, it was like 382 days. And they look at me like, well, that's impossible. I said, no, it's not. Not when you understand that he was living off his own body fat. Right. And they look at me like, you've got to be kidding me. You can do that? I said, yes. And then then I talked to him about the rat study, how eating multiple meals a day, they didn't lose any weight. Eating one meal a day, the rats lost all the weight they had gained. So I want them to understand the principle of intermittent fasting. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. It's just based on sound human physiology. 
And if I can get them to understand that first, then they get on board. And then when they lose their first 10 pounds in the first month, which they think is an absolute miracle, then I've got them. Then they right. know this works. And then they're going around telling everybody, you know, and once they buy into it, just this is human physiology, then they're on the road to success. And I, and I love seeing the look on their face. I had a lady in my office yesterday. Oh, it was on the phone because we don't, we're not seeing any patients in our office now because of the quarantine. But she told me over the phone, I said, so how's the fasting going? And she says, well, I'm down 47 pounds. What? Excuse me? You didn't tell me you'd lost that much last time we talked. She says, well, I'm just quietly doing it. Yeah. Wow. Quietly doing it. I think a lot of people are just quietly doing it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. But one of the things she said in the beginning, I remember because I wrote it in her chart, she was really worried about her weight. And I said, what's the definition of worry? Worry is just another form of atheism. You don't believe that God could help you get healthier. You just don't believe. You need to trust that he will make you healthy because that's, that's your birthright is good right. health. Remember that candle burn bright all the way down to the very end, flicker once or twice and go out. You can. And we can do it. We don't just have to accept that it's, it gets worse and worse and then you die. That's right. That's a cop-out. That really is a cop-out. Well, Dr. Jones, I have really enjoyed talking to you today, and I think that um, the audience is going to really love everything that you said. And thank you for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for being such a power behind this. You've educated people that they can be healthy. And it's intermittent fasting is incredible stuff. It really is. So thank you for what you've done. Well, thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.